sets a cue for you to go ahead and start. Amen. Amen. You don't know how much you miss somebody until they're not here. <laughs> Sister Parker is in command of that booth. And so I don't actually don't miss her being there. I know she's going to hear this, but she needs the rest. She needs the rest. We all need a rest sometimes, right? Amen. And so we need that refreshing in our life. Amen. Not just the pastor, but we all need that. We all need a refreshing and a renewing and a reviving. Amen. We're getting ready to have that revival service here toward the end of August. Amen. And sometimes I, I used to look at revivals as something for somebody else. Amen. But a revival is for me. That's how I approach a revival service. That's for me. I need reviving. Amen. Amen. And so we're going we're gonna to jump right into the book of First Peter chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. It says, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that, that ye should show forth the praises. Everybody say, that's me. That's me. And when he says, when ye, ye shall show forth the praises of him... Who's the, who's the Him? Jesus Christ. Amen. Who hath called you? He summoned you. He's, he's, he's summoning you. He's drawing you. He's called you out of darkness into His marvelous light, which in time past were not a people. We were just out there. We were lost. Amen. But now are the people, the people of God which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. If you would pray with me over the rest of this service. Father, we love you today. Father, we honor you. We bless your name, Lord Jesus, for you are worthy. You're worthy of all of our praise. You're worthy of all of our glory. You're worthy of all the honor. Lord Jesus, it is you and you alone that ministers, Lord Jesus. We are simply your vessels, your voices, Lord Jesus, ministering what you have spoken into our heart and into our spirit. Lord, I pray that you would, oh God, that you would minister what you have spoken to me to this people today. Lord, every heart and every soul and every mind in this place, Lord, I bind every devil, every demon and every spirit, Lord, and I loose your power, your angels your ministering spirits into this place to minister into the hearts and the minds and the souls of individuals in this place that we each one would receive something from you today father that they would receive it that they would take it to themselves lord jesus and that they would go lord jesus with this that you've given them lord jesus and that they would apply it to their life in the name of jesus christ we pray and everybody said in jesus name in Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Have you ever looked out on a snow field in the wintertime? We have that here in Wisconsin. Everybody, Anybody ever walked out the door first thing in the morning when the sun's out and, and the whole backyard is covered in snow and you first step out there, it's like blinding. It's so bright you can't, it almost hurts your eyes. You kind of want to back up and, whoa, you know, and and so we've all kind of been there, or just any kind of a, a bright, sunshiny morning when you first wake up, your eyes haven't adjusted yet, and you go to step to that window, and that sun just kind of hits you in the face, and you're like, whoa, and that hurts just a little bit, amen, it, but once you stand there for a little while, 
your eyes start adjusting. Amen? And you begin to see clearly, and, and the, that pain of that first initial moment of seeing that bright sunshine kind of subsides and, and, and everything is fine, you can see clearly. Amen? But to a person who is blind, anybody know anybody that's blind? Amen? Or you've seen somebody that's blind, they, they kind of grope about. They have to have that stick to get across the street and, and the little sounds on the corners to help them know when they're across the street and all those things. And, and so they walk in, in darkness today, amen. We're, we're talking about being called out of darkness. We read that scripture of Him, Jesus Christ, who has called us out of darkness not just into any light, but into His marvelous light. And so that blind person, uh, and I've talked to some blind people, and they, many blind people aren't really totally blind. They, they're, it's like an opaqueness. It's like a, a cloudiness. And Brother Richard and I were talking this morning downstairs about when he was stationed in Germany, and the, the, the fog would be so thick in Germany that it would freeze on the street signs. And, and I, I was remembering when I was stationed in Panama, and we had to go out on patrol in the, in the, the canopy jungle, and it was so dark that even with our red flashlight and our cat eyes, we couldn't even hardly see each other this far away. It was so dark. Amen. And that fog in Germany, and I've, I've been in a fog like that. I've, I've seen uh, newspaper pictures where there was 40 and 80 car pileups from fog that was so thick that people couldn't see driving down the road. And they ended up with, with many cars piled up because of the fog because they couldn't see very far in front of them. Amen. And so and people that are blind are like this. And you'll see them wearing sunglasses sometimes because the light is... It just seems more intense. And so they kind of have to cloud that, even though there's a cloudiness in their life. Amen. In their, in their vision. Amen. And so they, they can't really see very clearly. Amen. And so that's, that's what the Lord was ministering to me to talk to you about today, about being called out of darkness. Now, we're not talking about physical darkness like the canopy jungles of Panama or the, the darkness, that the blind, the, the opaqueness. The obscurity that comes from a thick, heavy fog like, like Brother Richard was talking about. But we're talking about a spiritual darkness. Amen. And to a person who is spiritually blind, it might as well be like natural darkness. Amen. And they can't see clearly. If somehow the blindness and the darkness could be removed, they could see clearly. And as I was sharing earlier, I was at that place at one time in my life where uh, my, my vision of the things of God wasn't very clear and, and my, my, my motivation for coming to God wasn't pure. And it was about coming to church with a girl rather than coming to find out about God. And, and so, but there came a point in my life where one day my eyes were open and I began to see clearly Amen. And that's where God is calling each one of us. And, and the Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown commentary talks about that, that, that concept of darkness and, and how he is calling us and he's called us out of that darkness. He's bidden us. He's summoned us out of darkness. And that darkness is not a, a physical darkness. It's a spiritual darkness. Amen. It, it speaks of a heathen or even a Jewish ignorance of sin, of misery, of, and so out of, out of the dominion of the 
to be drawing us out of the dominion and the authority that is in the prince of darkness. Amen. When we talk about Satan being the prince of darkness, we're not talking about the prince of the natural darkness. We're talking about spiritual darkness. He keeps the eyes of men and women blinded by the cares and the concerns of this world. Amen. And so he keeps us bound in spiritual darkness. And that's what the Lord's talking about here. If we could turn in our our Bibles this morning to the book of Acts chapter 9. Amen. I'm going to slow it down a little bit. I don't know if they'll be able to get those up on the board. But if you have a Bible, you can turn in your Bible to Acts chapter 9. Amen. And let's see what God will minister in this place today. Amen. We're talking about being brought out of darkness and into His marvelous light. We cannot light our own pathway. We can try. Amen. But our light, what we think is light, is really darkness. Acts chapter 9, verse 15. And it says, But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is chosen He is a chosen vessel unto me. This is the Lord talking to Ananias. Now, Ananias was the guy. He was in a group of people having a prayer meeting because Saul was this wicked Jewish man that was killing all the Christians. He was getting these orders from uh, the government, and he was going out and collecting up all the Christians and persecuting and killing them. And so Ananias and all the apostolic people were praying for God to do something to him. Take him out. Or whatever. And so they were having a prayer meeting. And this just lets you know how prayer works sometimes. Not always the intended result of what you thought your prayer was. You were, you were wanting God to take him out. But God was, had other plans. And so he's, he's telling Ananias, he says, But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me. Talking about Saul, the guy that was killing the Christians. To bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and children and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my namesake. Wait a minute. He wasn't just calling Saul to be Paul out to do his will, but he was calling him out to suffer. Wait a minute. We're, we're supposed to suffer for the, name, for the sake of the name of Jesus? Oh, hallelujah. If it's good enough for Paul, it's good enough for me. Amen. And Ananias went. He went hesitantly. Here's God telling him to go see the guy that's killing people like him. And Ananias only did it because God said, go and talk to him. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house and putting his hands on him said, Brother Saul. Boy, he was speaking out by faith right there. (laughs) The Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, hath sent me, that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and he received sight and forthwith arose and was baptized. Amen. So what is the deal here? They... They, they actually saw what was like fish scales falling from the eyes of, of Saul. Amen. And, and I believe, this is just what I believe, that God allowed this representation, this manifestation of the spiritual darkness that was on the mind of Paul 
to be manifested in front of them so that they could see that there was a place and a point in time where the darkness was, was pulled away and Saul was able to see clearly. Now, what kind of spiritual darkness was in the life of Saul? We're talking about a man who was a devout Jewish Pharisee who was very educated. The Bible says that he studied under one called Gamaliel. He, so he studied in a very elite college university environment where he studied and he knew the Scriptures. He knew the Old Testament scrolls and the Scriptures. And he knew the things of God. He knew about the temple. He knew about all the things that took place in the temple. He was a very, what we would call today, religious man. He was almost, he was a religious zealot. Amen? And so, he knew about the things of God, but he... See, we can be religious and be blind. You know, if you, if you drive around lacrosse, and I get to do that a lot because I do these fire inspections, and so I get to go in a lot of these places and do these fire inspections in these different churches, and, and there's a lot of darkness in these churches. Some of them are churches that I used to frequent when I was back in my younger days, and I, and I remember the darkness that was there, and that darkness is still there today. And I'm not condemning anybody or throwing anybody under the bus necessarily, but there's a lot of religious traditions See, that's what Paul was, that's what Saul was doing. He was living out religious traditions of the Jewish religion. But he was, he was, he was religious. And he didn't understand. He couldn't see clearly. And so it wasn't like a, a wicked, evil spirit of, of darkness necessarily, like a demonic spirit. But the enemy was behind it. Amen. See, he wants to keep us blinded. To the reality of things that really go on in this world and in our life. He wants to keep people blinded by religion. He wants to keep people blinded by traditions of man. This is what Saul was doing. He was following the traditions of the Jewish religion. And in Paul's mind, in Saul's mind, what he was doing was right. And really, in, in tradition, if you look back and study it, he was just doing what the, the only thing he knew to do and so God had other plans and so on the way to Damascus Saul gets knocked down by a bright light that marvelous light that we read about in in that scripture that we read just a little while ago and it was that marvelous light that got a hold of of Saul and blinded him so he went from blindness to blindness so he was double blind in that circumstance, in that situation. And God pulled him out of that darkness through that circumstance and situation. That's what He did with us. How many of us can look back at our life right now, and you can remember the day that you received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You can remember the day that you were standing in that pew and you're, you had white knuckles hanging onto that pew for dear life because you knew that God was trying to get you to that altar and you were going to hang out there and you weren't going to go to that altar. But somehow or another... He broke your white knuckles loose from that, that pulpit and where you left marks on the pulp, on the pew, back of the pew, and, and you came to that altar, and there came a time where the light came on. Amen. And somewhere in the process of you getting to that place, just like me 
somebody somewhere was having a prayer meeting. Amen? There's a scripture in the book of, of Acts chapter 26 and verse 12, if we could go there. And this is, this is the apostle Paul relating the story of his testimony to some really important people. Acts chapter 12, excuse me, Acts chapter 26 in verse 12. And it says, Whereupon as I went to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priests, at midday, O king, he's speaking to a king, I saw the way in the way a light shining from round about me, and then which journeyed with me. They all saw the light. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me, and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared. Now, we're talking about a religious Jewish man, a Pharisee. Now, this is an event that's taking place in his life, and he's taken this very serious. Anybody believe that? Arise and stand on thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness, both of these things which thou hast seen, and of those things which I have will appear unto thee. He's going to show him some more stuff later. Delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles, and of whom I now send thee, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto the power of God. Amen? To turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto the power of God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. And so Paul's commission and our commission was to go out. He was going to send him back out to the Jews and to the Gentiles to bring them out of a spirit of darkness to a spirit of light and from the power of Satan to the power of God. So people out there that don't, that don't understand who Jesus is, that don't understand the truth and the necessity of salvation in their life are walking around in darkness then. They're walking in spiritual darkness. And so he has come to bring us out of that darkness. Romans thirteen eleven. Is this all right? Romans thirteen eleven. And that knowing that the time that is that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let, that, let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, and not rioting in drunkenness, not in chambering in wantonness, not in strife or envying, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. So let's, let's get away from the darkness, amen? He's trying to draw us away from the darkness. Psalm 
2 Corinthians 4.1. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 1 through 4. Therefore, seeing ye have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. But have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if God, if our gospel is be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world, who is that? The enemy, Satan. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. So those that believe not, if we believe what this scripture says, if we believe that the word of God is the inerrant word of God, if it's God breathed and it's an anointed word that God spoke to these men who wrote it, then we have to believe that, that the God of this world had blinded the minds of them which believe not. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Amen. So it, the blindness that's upon our minds... Even as, even as apostolics, can we still be walking in blindness? Amen. Can we still walk in religious tradition? Can we still walk around with our own concepts of what we think things should be and how we think things should be? Not applying what the Word of God says. Amen. But coming up with our own ideas. We live in a world today who doesn't want to believe in that there is a God, who wants to deny that there's a God. Amen? They don't even want his name spoken in public. They don't even want high school kids saying his name in a high school graduation. Amen? They're, they're going about with their own thinking. They're going to figure it all out. They don't need God. They'll figure it all out for themselves. They, and the light that they think they're in, and believe me, those kind of people, they think they got it. They think they got it all figured out. They think they're walking in the light, but they don't realize that they are walking in darkness. They are being deceived. Because Satan is the great deceiver. He will deceive us into thinking that we got it all together. Amen. Amen. We have to be careful. We don't allow ourselves to be recaptured by the enemy once we've been brought out of that darkness. Amen. Is that possible? Is that possible that we could come be brought out of darkness, that God could draw us out of the darkness of sin into a life of walking with Him, be baptized in Jesus' name, just like Saul, be filled with the Holy Ghost, have our eyes open, have the scales removed, and begin to see clearly the things of God? Is it possible for us to turn right around and go right back to where we were? You would not think that anybody would do that. Once they've tasted of this, once they've experienced this joy, this peace of knowing who Jesus is, the understanding of salvation in their life, you would not think somebody would, would go back to the world. But they do. Amen. Our spiritual eyesight can become easily obscured again. Amen. It's the subtle things that can slip in because He is the Spirit of subtlety. The enemy is not going to come right up in our face. Amen. It's going to be a subtle thing. 2 Timothy 4 verse 6 says, Let's turn there. 2 Timothy 4 verse 6. 
and there we are. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight, I have kept, finished my course, I have kept the faith. Henceforth is there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but on to all those who love his appearing. Yes, we're going to go all the way. Okay, that's it. Uh, might have. I was looking for something about Demas. Probably went to the wrong scripture. <laughs> Verse 9 and 10. Okay. I'm probably in the wrong. Yeah. Yes. That's it. For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica, Crescens to Galatia, Titus unto Dalmatia. And so this, this person, Demas, at one time worked for Paul. He was in the ministry with Paul. He was, he was one of those guys that was, that was turning the world upside down, and, and something happened in his life. And what does it say there in that Scripture? Having loved this present world. He could not shake. He was like that, that fish that, that, that's on the end of that, that minnow or whatever it is, and he's on that hook, and he's that bass. He's trying to shake himself loose from that hook, and the, the fisherman's reeling him in, and he's trying to. You ever seen one of those things come out of the water, and they're shaking? They're trying to shake that thing loose out of their mouth, and Demas just could not shake it loose. He just could not shake that thing loose from his mouth. Amen. And he he caught himself looking back at the world. Amen. There was somebody in the Old Testament that looked back. What happened to her? She turned into a pillar of salt, the Bible said. When Lot's wife turned back and looked, she just had to one more look at that old world that she was walking away from. Just one more look. Amen. All it took was just one look, and she was turned into a pillar of salt, good for nothing. And so what did, what did Lot do? He just kept on going. That would have been enough for me to say, well, I think I need to keep going. Amen. Amen. And so... We got to we got to beware that we don't become like Demas. Here he was in the ministry. Here he was in in one of the greatest apostolic moves that there ever was in the world on the day of Pentecost. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, and there were three thousand added to the church that day, and and there was five thousand added later, and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. And so Demas was one of those. Demas had that life that life changing experience. Amen. And, and, you know, we get away from our experience with God sometimes, just like the people of Israel. You know, they were delivered across the Red Sea. Oh, what an awesome thing. But as time went, went on, they kind of forgot about how awesome it was that God took us a, a body of water that was flowing and just opened it up and allowed them to just walk across on dry land. Not just walk across, but walk across on dry land. And we can look at our own salvation. I can remember I was, I was not the, the perfect individual when I went to that service with that young lady that I thought I was going for the date with her. But God used that service to bring me to a place where I stood in front of a preacher and said, 
out of my own mouth the words came, I want that, whatever that is that they have, those people that have that joy and that peace, and whatever it is they have, I want that. And this was coming out of the mouth of a dope smoker and a beer drinker and, and all these things. And God honored that moment of faith in my life, and he filled me with the Holy Ghost right there on the spot. And it would be easy and, and there were times that I did begin to slip away from that, but God, had, God kept me. It's only by the mercy and grace of God that I even stand here before you today. Amen? But it's very easy to become like the children of Israel, to have this experience and, and kind of take it and stick it in our pocket and say, okay, I've got that now. Amen? I, I don't need to do anything else. I can just go on and live my life. I've got that now. Amen? And that's exactly what the enemy wants us to do is, to become complacent and say, oh, it's okay, I got it. I don't need to do anything else. It would be very easy for the enemy at that point to begin to, to draw us right back into that same darkness we just walked away from. Amen. And we've got to be diligent about this thing. We can't, we can't just go on about, you know, here and there and just kind of halfway doing this thing. I, my wife and I was telling my neighbor yesterday, you know, we made a decision when I was 30 years old. Either we're going to live for God or we're not going to live for God. But we're not going to waver and go back and forth and can't make up my mind if I'm going to go to church one Sunday or not the next Sunday. And so at 30 years old, we, we, we made a decision, made up our mind. We're going to do this. We're going to raise our kids in this. This is how we're going to live. Amen. And so there comes a point in our life where we make that decision, right? We're standing at that altar. We've been filled with the Holy Ghost. We've been baptized in Jesus' name. We're walking in newness of life. We know there's something different about us. And it'd be easy to walk out that door and walk right back and begin to be around. Because you're going to have to go out there and be around the world again. Amen. Those same things that, that God was drawing you away from are out there trying to pull you right back. Amen. It's like two poles on a magnet. Right? The same gospel that was drawing people on the day of Pentecost when 3,000 were added to the church, the other side of the pole was pushing people away. Amen? They're either going to love this or you're going to hate this. Amen? And if you, get, if you have the privilege of being pulled to the side of the magnet where, you've, where you connect to this thing and love it, you need to stay connected to that magnet. You don't need to go back into that darkness. Amen? Psalms 119.105 says that the, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my pathway. So what's one of the things we've got to do? We've got to lean on this word. Amen. It was the word that saved us. Somebody planted a seed in our life. Somebody got a hold of Saul. I don't know who it was. It was maybe that prayer meeting that Ananias and those folks were having. But somewhere along the line, something got inside of Saul's spirit. And God used all those circumstances in that moment to bring Saul to that place of decision. Amen? And Saul stepped away from the darkness and into the light. Amen? He stepped into something that was way bigger than he was. Amen? 1 Peter 2, verse 5 through 8 says, He also... As lively stones are built up a spiritual house. Man, that's talking about like a course of bricks. Anybody ever laid block or brick? Amen. You do one course at a time. You put the mud in there and you lay the bricks. And then you put some more mud and you do another row of bricks or block. And that's how he's building us up. A, a spiritual house. 
This is not a natural thing that happens in our life. It's a spiritual thing. And holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also, it is contained in the Scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious. He that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you, therefore, which believe he is precious, but unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same has become the head of the corner. In other words, that stone is precious to some, and it's not precious to others. Amen? Amen. And so, is that stone precious to you today? Amen. Is this salvation precious to you today? Galatians 2.18 says, For if I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. Amen. For I, through the law, am dead to the law, that I might live under God. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live, in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness came by the law, then Christ died in vain. Amen. This is Paul talking to the church in Galatia. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, even though I'm crucified, I live this life in the natural. Amen. There's a lot of things, Brother Richard, that I walked away from when I came to God. Amen. And, th- and to say that those things haven't come back and tried to, to haunt me and to tempt me back to those things would be silly and foolish. They have. I've, I've got a lot of family that's tried to draw me back, right back into that same old mess that I came out of. And, and they don't understand. I just That's what I tell them. You don't understand that he brought me out of darkness. Into his marvelous light. They're walking in darkness. They can't see what I see. And they won't listen to what I say. So what, what do I do, Brother Miller? I pray that prayer like, like, they, like the Lord told Paul. He said, to bring them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God. That's all I can do for my family is pray for them that God will open their eyes like he did Saul's. Because there came a day in my life where he opened my eyes, and I had the opportunity to say, I see it, like Brother Parker was talking about, the lady in, the, in Okinawa in the chapel. I see it, I see it, I see it, I see it. There came a day where I said, I see it, I see it, I see it, I see it. i got to do this. Wow, God opened that up, because I couldn't have found that out. I'd read that Bible a hundred times. Never saw that. So that was revelation from God. That was God taking the darkness from off of my eyes. He was taking the scales and allowing me to see something that I had never seen before. Amen. Then it was my choice and my decision to do what I needed to it from there. Hallelujah. Amen. And so there came a time in my life where once the scales were removed, what, what happened with Saul? It says in Ananias, they laid hands on him. He was filled with the Holy Ghost and they went out and baptized him. They took care of business. Amen. So this speaks, the grace of God took place in his life that day. Amen. We've all, we've all heard preachers preach about the grace of God. Amen. That, that unmerited favor. I like to look at grace as God's empowerment in my life because I couldn't do this by myself. 
God had to come into my life and empower me. He had to give me something that I didn't have before so that my eyes could be opened. If he had to open the eyes of Saul, who became Paul, who became the greatest preacher that ever preached on the face of the earth, then, then I have to understand and believe that it took that much, if not more, to get my eyes opened. Amen? Because we get our own mindset going sometimes. Amen? So where are we today? Where are we today in our, in our walk, in our journey in this world? Amen? There's a lot of people, as I said before, a lot of people out here in the world journey and walking through their life, going on about their business. I've, uh, there's people out here that are, that are having Bloody Marys for breakfast this morning. Amen? And, and that's true. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not glorifying that or lifting that up, but that's true. There's people out there that live like that. Amen? And so where are we at? Are we, are we in a valley of decision? Are we in a place where we're kind, of, we're kind of wavering between two decisions? Amen. I believe that God's trying to get a hold of us today. I think He's trying to, to draw us, even, even those of us that are in the church. Amen. We can so easily be drawn to a place of blindness again. And, amen. And just become religious like Paul was. And he was... You know, we can just find ourselves just coming to church, punching our clock, going back out the door, satisfied with the fact that we came in and punched our clock today. Amen? God didn't expect the people of Israel to just have a mediocre walk with Him when they were walking with Him in the wilderness. He expected them to do exactly what He said. I was sharing with the kids this morning about the obedience that God expects of us in our faithfulness to Him. You know, we've been talking about faithfulness in Sunday school. God's faithfulness to us, our faithfulness to Him. And what do we get back from God? His faithfulness to us. And I was telling the kids, you know, He's faithful when we're not faithful. Amen. When, we're, when I was out there in the world, when I was out there heading in the wrong direction, God was still faithful to me. Amen. And when I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost in that church, and when I went back out in the world for a couple of years and forgot about God, God was faithful to me. He directed my life into the military. I found myself right back at the same place where I got the Holy Ghost. Not specifically the same place, but back at an altar. And God refilled me. He let me know, hey, I'm still here. Even though you've been out there wandering around, I'm still here waiting on you. Amen. And he took the, the darkness and the blindness away again. And I said, never again. Amen. I'm going to live for God. So where are we today? In the book of 1 Kings 18.21, it says, And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. If Baal be God, then follow him. And it says that the people answered him not a word. Amen. The prophet Elijah was trying to get him to decide. Which way are you going to go? Which, which, which is it going to be? Amen. I don't want to just say at the end of my, my walk and, my, and this salvation, I don't want to just say that I barely, I did just enough to get in. Amen. I only want to do just just barely enough to say you, you did you did enough. Just you'll be satisfied with that. 
I'll be satisfied with just barely making it in by the skin of my teeth, Brother Richard. Amen. You know, the Bible says that if the righteous shall scarcely be saved, then where will the sinner and the ungodly appear? So if we will scarcely make it in, I don't know if I even want to think about scarcely making it, barely making it in. Amen. I I don't want to just find myself just kind of being mediocre and complacent and just kind of, well, I'll be serious this week, but, you know, i got a lot of stuff going on next week. I'll I'll, I'll pick back up after that and be serious again about living for God. And, and, And what are you going to do if the Lord comes between now and then? Amen. We, we can't find our, let ourselves be, be wavering back and forth. You know, when, when Peter was preaching on the day of Pentecost, he was preaching to the people. He was preaching to the Jews, to the Gentiles. He was preaching to all these nations that were there on the celebration of the day of Pentecost. Preaching the same message to everybody. Every nation, kindred, tribe, and tongue that was on the world at that time was there on that day. And so Peter had the most diverse audience that you could have. And so here he is preaching on the day of Pentecost. And what's he preaching to him? This same Jesus that you crucified is both Lord and Christ. He convicted them so strongly about what they had done, about who Jesus was, that what was their response to him? Men and brethren. So they weren't just responding to Peter, but to all the apostles that were there in agreement with what Peter was preaching. And they said unto him, Man and brethren, what shall we do? What were they really saying? We understand what you were talking about. The, the light came on in some of these people's minds. The darkness came away from their eyes, just like Paul was talking about. And there, the, the scales came away, and they saw what was really going on, what had really happened when they crucified Jesus Christ. And they said, men and brethren, what shall we do? And what did he say to them? Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, if we go to that experience that Paul explained, that's exactly what happened to Paul. He was, he was going on about his business one day. These people were there for a religious ceremony, the day of Pentecost. And little did they know that there was going to be a preacher preach to them and that they were going to have to make a decision that day. Just like Paul had to make a decision that day. Those people had to make a decision. And as I was talking about the magnet, how one side of the magnet pushes people away of, of this gospel of Jesus Christ and the other side draws people So on that day, the Bible says that 3,000 souls were added to the kingdom. But I will guarantee you there were more than 3,000 souls in that place on that day. Some turned away from it, said, that's not for me. Some said, 3,000 said, that's for me. I want that. They felt that conviction. They felt that power of God in their life. And so I'm asking you today, as our musicians come, I'm asking you a question today. Where are you today? Are you hanging between... Uh, the world and the body of Christ? Are you halting between two opinions? Amen. Joel 3.14 says, Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision, for the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. The day of the Lord is closer than you think. Amen. And there's going to come a day where there's going to be a great trumpet sound. And there's going to be a day where the church of Jesus Christ is going to be caught away. Amen. And the rest are going to be left behind here. The rest are going to be left 
with their decision that they've made. Amen. And we're going to be judged by that decision that we've made. And we're going to be judged, I believe, by the, the fact that we had the opportunity to choose to live for God, and we didn't. I heard one preacher talk about hell, and I know we don't talk about hell a lot, but he was saying that, that he believes, and I believe this, that one of the worst things that's going to happen for us, that, for those that end up in hell, is going to be the, I, the, the whole idea and the concept that we had the opportunity to make a decision to serve God, and we didn't. And we're going to be living, our soul will live with that whole concept that we may we passed up our opportunity. Unrealized expectations. Unrealized opportunity to turn our life around and turn to the kingdom. And worse than any kind of darkness, worse than any kind of flames that we're going to suffer in that place is the fact of the knowledge that he's going to allow us to retain that knowledge that we had our chance and we passed it up. And I so thank God to this day for His grace and mercy, for that nine years that the Lord could have come and I'd have been lost for eternity. But the Lord didn't come. And in that nine years' time, He pulled me back. He drew me back. And He let me have another chance to turn to Him and to turn away from the things that, that really didn't matter in this world. And I made that decision. I made that choice. Amen. And the fact of the matter is, I have to make that choice every single day that I wake up. Am I tempted every day to draw away from this? You bet. Amen. But there, it, the longer we, we live in this thing, the more we begin to realize that there's nothing like this in this world. Amen. If we could stand in this place today. Amen. I know that every one of you, if you look back in your life, you can realize, you can see, you can, you can look back at your experience, your walk with God. And you know that there was a place in time where you came to that place of decision. And I believe that there are those here today that are at that place of decision. Amen. And I believe that there are those here that day that maybe if you look at your life, you might begin to think, maybe I've, maybe I've become complacent. Maybe I've become mediocre in my walk. Maybe, I've, maybe I'm not where I need to be in my prayer life. Maybe I'm not at the place that I know I need to be. Maybe I have been neglecting this great salvation. We were talking about that in the Wednesday Bible study, about neglecting the gift that's in us. God has put in us a precious, precious gift. Amen. The gift of the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. He has given us a very precious gift. Amen. He, he allowed us to have His blood applied to our life. Amen. We took on His name in water baptism. Just like a bride takes on the name of her groom on their wedding day. We forsook our own way. We forsook our own name and we took on His name. We took on His blood. Amen. Just like the prodigal son, when he went out into the world and got all smelly and ended up in a pig pen, he came back to his father. And what did his father do? He cleaned him up. He put the royal robe on him. He put the ring on his finger. Now, what was that ring that he put on his finger? It wasn't just any ring. It was probably a signet ring of the family crest, the family symbol that they used when they would purchase something or make a decision or anything. They would take that ring and they would put it down on that wax. 
And that was their seal that they said, this is a contract. This, is a, this, this represents the family. And so he gave his son all the power and all the authority. This son that had been lost and was found. Amen. Every one of us, if we look back over our life, we, most of us have not been in church all of our life. Most of us have come to God out of a life of sin. And maybe we came to God and went back out and, and God drew us back. Amen. It's only by the mercy and grace of God that any one of us is standing in this building right now. And I want you to, to know that you have the opportunity today. This place up here that's called the altar is a place of safety. It's a place where, where the ground is level. Everybody's on the same level playing field down here at this place called the altar. And if you feel that God is drawing you, if you feel God's been talking to you, I, I urge you. I encourage you to come to this altar and I encourage you to stand before God and to begin to give your life back to Him. And you might, you might be already in this church. You might already be a member of this church, but you feel like maybe you've slipped. Maybe you've, you've fallen away a little bit. Maybe you're starting to allow things back into your life. Maybe you're like Demas. You're beginning to look back at the things of this world and you feel yourself maybe being drawn away. The Bible says that when we are in sin, we're drawn away of our own lusts and enticed. Amen? Amen. I don't want to go, I don't want to finish this service. I don't want to end this service without making sure that someone has an opportunity to bring their, their life before God and give someone an opportunity to pray.